Welcome to McGonigal's Chronicles Making Montana Connections. I'm KRTV KXLH anchor Tim McGonigal. Just about everyone has dealt with physical pain at one time or another. Imagine living with pain nonstop for more than 10 years. That's been the case for Montana native and former Great Falls resident Karina DeLynn. She's endured a rare liver disease as well as suffering from other conditions. But she chooses to take a positive approach in her battle against pain and rare diseases. Her advocacy includes starting her own clothing line, helping gift a service dog to a Missoula child suffering from a rare disease, teaming up with a Johns Hopkins medical student to help future doctors learn more about rare diseases and more. Although my two interviews with her have been in advance of International Rare Disease Day on February 28th, she brings awareness to the issue all year long. Here now is more with Karina DeLynn. Well, welcome to uh, Karina DeLynn. Uh, you are uh, joining us today from Maryland. The last time we talked to you was in Montana, uh, which I know is uh, where you're I would imagine where your heart is because that's where you were born and you have a lot of family and friends uh, there. But uh, tell us in, in this past year, you've, you've made the transition moving to Maryland. How did, how did that come about? Well, it was unexpected. Um, you know, somebody reached out to my husband from the national guard bureau and, and essentially said, I think there's a position here you might be interested in. We'd like to have you. So he applied and he got it. Um, so when we last spoke, I had no idea that this was going to take place. And so we've since, yeah, moved across the country. Uh, for those that don't know, talk about uh, you you uh, suffer from polycystic liver disease. Tell us exactly what that is and uh, how it's affected you. So polycystic liver disease um, is just basically your liver is typically inundated with cysts. I don't know how you get it. Nobody really knows how you get it. It's a rare disease. Typically, it's hereditary Mine's not. Genetic testing has has shown that mine is not. Um, that's not to say, you know, something could change in genetic testing that might prove otherwise later down the road. But um, as of right now, I would say mine is ultra rare just because it's not genetic. Um, and uh, essentially, it grows big cysts on your liver. It grows little cysts on your liver. Sometimes it bugs another organ. Sometimes it doesn't. In my case. I had to have the left lobe of my liver removed because it was imposing on my stomach and I could only eat a couple bites of food. It also was making it a little harder for me to breathe and it was causing some pain in my abdomen. Uh, how many cysts did you have on your liver uh, or do you have on your liver? Well, I don't know. Um, Cause it changes. I think it changes frequently. Um, you know, I know, over 10 years ago now, looking back at imaging, um, there were over 20 cysts, which at 20 cysts is when they diagnosed you with polycystic liver disease. And I was diagnosable 10 years ago. Uh, since then, I've sat down with a gastroenterologist and gone through some of the scans and he's counted, oh, okay, well, you probably have 40, you know. So I say 40 to 50. I don't really know. I do know that after I came out of surgery, um, there were, you know, two numerous to mention on my, the right side of my liver. And I know there's some that can't operate on because they're too close to my spine. I think you said that the only way that, that, that to, to get rid of this fully was, is to have a liver transplant. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're, you're not to, to that point yet. Uh, when, when would someone be a candidate, I guess, for a liver transplant with this disease? So I really feel for these people because 
you know, typically your liver function is fine when you have polycystic liver disease, even up until the point you have a transplant. But the abdomen of people that are facing a transplant is just their liver might be 40 pounds. I mean, it's huge and it, and it extends down into their pelvis and they're just living just the most terrible life. Their quality of life is reduced so much that they get put on a transplant list based on what's called a MELD score. I just hope that if mine does progress, it progresses slowly. I can continue to function, you know, throughout life. And I know, and I hope I never have to have a liver transplant. And uh, I know, yeah, functioning, obviously that's uh, very important for you. You've got active uh, children, you've got an active lifestyle. Uh, tell us, when you when you lived in Montana, I know you were uh, most recently, you had a photography business where you did some real estate photography. Is that, you're now living in Maryland uh, due to a, a transfer uh is that still something that you that you do? I haven't advertised uh, real estate photography here just because I have what I would call bigger endeavors. You know, I did license as a real estate agent in Montana right before I moved, um, not knowing that we were moving. And I've also licensed here in Maryland since we've moved here. And then, of course, you know, we talked about this a little bit last year. Uh, I wanted to design my own clothing company. Uh, my own clothing line to help oh, provide really comfortable attire for people with issues like me. You know, polycystic liver disease is just one thing I have, but IBS provokes my abdomen just as much, if not more. And that's when I see a lot of change in my abdomen. And so I thought, I'm just going to create a clothing line that can help with that. And so I've really wanted to focus on that since being here because my clothing uh, my first collection has arrived. So within one year, I, we've made this happen in spite of the move and, and everything else. So um, I think it's time to put away the the camera as far as real estate photography goes and pick up a new hat, I guess, and put that on. Yeah. So so you get the clothing line. Also, when you were here in, in Montana, I know you were working with a company, uh, with a business uh, to develop uh, food uh, for like on the go food for people to come and pick up for people who suffer from this because uh, they can't seem to maybe have the same kind of diet or eat the same way. Uh, this affects your, your eating habits. Obviously. I think you said you, a lot of times when this flares up, you can only eat maybe two bites at a time. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so talk about the, the food and nutrition aspect. Are you still in, 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 uh, in that mode as well? So that was one of the the pieces um, to chronic that I was hoping to pursue. Um, that did change with the move. You know, we had started that up, um, had food in the freezer at Nourish there in Great Falls. Um, since since coming here, I have spoken uh, to some people about partnering on that. So I do anticipate that happening here as well. Um, you know, I do feel like no matter where I move, I'm going to be able to find someone to partner on that because there's a lot of passion involving that. I feel like everywhere. Um, as far as the diet goes, I would say that when you can't eat a lot, the idea is making what you eat really meaningful. You know, and it needs to be exactly what you need if you're putting it in your body and you can only fit so much in your body. 
um, looking at the polycystic liver disease support group page on Facebook, uh, they're always discussing diet and I'm trying this, what are you trying? And that doesn't work for me because, you know, and so I do know that for diet, you know, for a lot of people, polycystic liver disease diet does play into it. Again, for me, I can't, I don't know which animal it is that I'm trying to treat with diet. If it's the IBS, you know, fibromyalgia, I have that too. And that affects your, your abdomen because it affects IBS and, and then I have polycystic liver disease. So I never know what I'm up against. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting. <laughs> now, you did mention chronic and that is the name of your, your company. Um, mm-hmm. And you have a website. Uh, is it chronic.com, chronic.org? Chronicandfreeclothing.com. Okay. C H R O N I C and free clothing.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably mention that a couple couple more mm-hmm. times as well. So so the clothing obviously is is uh that's that's going full full speed ahead from uh, from your standpoint, I guess. Uh and, and and talk about the the clothing and and why why that's important because uh I think that's um, very important for people who who may be suffering from this to, to know about. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you visit my website, it says right there, kind of what I have in mind. But in my own words, um, it's basically a really comfortable uh, fabric that's super sustainable, flexible. Your body can change shape in it, and you won't be less comfortable. You know, some, sometimes you go out to dinner. And you sit down and all of a sudden your stomach starts to swell because you took a bite of the wrong thing. Well, in this pant, I started with with pants, um, your body can do whatever it needs to do. And it's not going to cause any pressure on your abdomen, which is critical to me. Um, Also, it's super versatile. So um, I wear wear these pants all the time. People are probably going to be like, oh, look, she's wearing the pants again. That's all she ever wears. But I can wear them to exercise. I can wear them to, you know, the to the beach. I can wear them to a nice dinner. So I can dress them up or down however I want. But I just stick to if you look better, you feel better. So even if you're as deteriorated in state as not getting out of bed, you know, um, my hope is that maybe instead of laying down in bed, you'll sit up in bed and maybe instead of wearing your pajamas all day, you'll, you'll wear these pants all day instead. You know, if you can do anything just to improve your spirits a little bit, I think it goes a long way with chronic illness. And that's what I'm hoping that I can help people to do really one pair of pants at a time. Great. In, in hearing your story, uh, I know one of the things that is a big part of your story uh, is the fact that as as you have gone through through life and you've gone through this this pain, you've you've gone to to doctors and you've you've explained to them what's going on. And there's I know there's been some frustration with that. And I, I think a lot of people feel that with uh, sometimes in the medical. Hopefully, hopefully they don't. But I know it. It's out there. Talk about the frustrations and how how it's impacted you. Well, I mean, it, it, that's why I'm even here having this news interview with you. It's impacted me that much. I finally just felt like something's got to be done. Something's got to be said. People need to be advocated for because I can just about guarantee you there's not one person 
I'd go as far as to say there's not one person on this earth that went into a doctor's office and got diagnosed their first visit. Um, and typically, I think I just shared on Facebook, actually, I think the average is eight years with the chronic illness before you get a diagnosis. And that's eight years of major frustration, you know, and, and there are some phenomenal physicians out there, but there are some too that just really don't give you the time of day. Um, and those are the ones that you, you come up against sometimes that can really make for a bad day. You, you, you told me that, uh, you didn't get depressed, but you could see how some people can easily get depressed from going to the doctor and maybe not getting the correct treatment or the correct diagnosis. And that can, that can lead to obviously other problems like depression, anxiety, right? Yeah, the rates of depression in people with chronic illness are astronomical, you know, and you can look it up online and find different numbers, but 70%, 80%, 90%, I mean, they're all up there. Um, and I also, I have gone to counseling to help me overcome some of this and, and try to get help on how I choose to view my chronic illness. Um, and I, and I feel like that's contributed to, we'll say my success and not becoming utterly depressed. Um, but I have, I'm a little bit of a fighter and I have used resources available to me to do that and to try to keep a good attitude and, and, to be an overcomer and to even try to make things better as a result of what I have. You're also a, a veteran of uh, the Navy, correct? Ma'am. Yeah. And so do you think that uh, that naval training kind of kind of helped you uh, with your your current attitude of I'm I'm going to fight this. I'm going to advocate for myself. Uh, is that something they teach you in the Navy or in the armed forces? <laughs> I I think I was probably born this way. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like even as a little girl, I was pretty persistent, you know, kind of shy, but but a little feisty on the inside. You know, I used to have a little T-shirt with a skunk on it that said, I'm a little stinker. So <laughs> I don't know if that tells you anything. I probably have had this, <laughs> this you know, personality since the day I was born. Okay. Um and you are 45 years old, 46 years old, 46, mm -hmm. 46. Okay. Uh, and you mentioned some of the other, um, uh, diseases that you suffer from, uh, are they, you said irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia, uh, do you think, are those a result of the polycystic, uh, liver disease or are those just kind of on their own, I guess? So I have my suspicions. Um, you know, I, I think I kind of know what may have contributed to, for example, the fibromyalgia. And I do think it's military related, but I can't prove it. So it was kind of like, what's the point of talking about it? Um, but at some point I got fibromyalgia. I know that can lead to irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and But no, the polycystic liver disease, I think is completely unrelated to either of those two things. That said, I think that what could have potentially caused the fibromyalgia could have also caused the polycystic liver disease. Um, but again, there's just it's speculation. Okay. And, and getting back to your uh, advocacy and helping others uh, with this, I know that back in October, I believe it was, you uh, teamed up with a friend. You teamed up with her long before that to uh, to kind of help for someone with 
with a uh, uh, chronic disease. Uh, tell us, tell us about that endeavor. And this was with uh, the dog. Uh, t- tell us that story, how that how that came about, and and what the result was. Yeah, so I'm fortunate enough to have a good friend who um, breeds golden doodles, labradoodles, um, and she was willing to get behind me and what I was trying to do. And I wanted to make a difference. You know, that's my primary goal is just to make a difference in people's lives that have rare diseases. And so she was willing to donate a fully trained service dog to someone with rare disease um, on behalf of chronic. And, and so we spoke in February, the dog announcement was delivered um and then the dog spent time in training you know these dogs have to train for usually i think a year mm-hmm. and and so by october the dog was ready and they it happened to go to a recipient in montana a little girl and with a rare disease and i think that that union has been going really really well that's uh that's awesome. Uh, that's one of the great stories uh, of your uh, your work, uh, reaching out, helping others. I know that uh, you kind of told me uh, as we were talking and setting up this interview, uh, another personal story about uh, uh, the whole going to a doctor and maybe not getting the right diagnosis. Uh, can you Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So are we referring to my nephew? Yeah, yeah. If oh. I don't, I'm not sure if you're ready or willing to talk about that, but uh I'll never be ready. Yeah. <laughs> um but it but it it's just kind of like drives the point home so traumatically. So when I spoke to you last February, I'm living in Montana, I'm going to start this company. Um, you know, there's this, 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 and this I want to contribute and to accomplish. I have these goals. Um, and one of them was basically awareness and that awareness, uh, my desire was to make physicians aware of uh, their contribution, either good or bad to, um, the journey people are on. So I was already extremely passionate about that. Uh, because of my own interaction with some of the physicians along the way that made my journey more difficult. And um, fast forward, you know, I moved across the country. Uh, I've, I've been working diligently on building each one of those areas that, that I wanted to work on. And then, yes, this personal disaster intrudes on all of it. And that basically went like this my nephew started feeling ill in april was in and out of the er urgent care um had some tests done that were positive um and and so the physicians thought maybe it was this maybe it was that probably nothing um you know maybe a virus but But some of the tests were indicative of some pretty substantial concerns. And he just kept saying, I feel like I have brain damage. I feel like there's something wrong with my brain. I can't tell you how many times the kid told me 
I feel like there's something wrong with my brain. And he was telling everybody that and, and, and his physicians. And so he went to doctor after doctor and, you know, at one point he was told there's no way you have a brain tumor, you know, kind of everything's fine. So um, he got diagnosed with a rare form of depression. They proceeded to treat him for depression aggressively for the remainder of his life. And why I say that is because October 19th, he died of a brain tumor. Sorry to hear that. I wanted to ask you too, uh, through your experiences, through your nephew's experiences, uh, are, are there support groups that you're a part of? And that, I mean, there's gotta be other people um, that, that have dealt with the same issues and frustrations. Yeah, so there are, and actually when I began this journey, I wasn't even fully aware of how many there were. Um, but as I got started and I started telling my story and, and excitedly proclaiming what I was gonna do um, with chronic, more people started offering um, suggestions and check out this nonprofit, check out that nonprofit. And so um, two of the ones I did join uh, last year was Global Genes, which kind of aligns a little bit more with what I went through um, and what my nephew went through. And I was partnered with someone for the fourth quarter, which was October. Oddly enough, a lot happened in October, you know, service mm -hmm. dog giveaway, my nephew's death. And, and my, I finally got linked up with a medical student. And I love this program, Global Genes, because they have medical students that can volunteer to be part of this program and learn more about rare disease. So they're outfitting themselves with knowledge going into their medical career. And I happened to partner with someone uh, at John Hopkins University by chance, which is interesting because I'm just down the coast from there. And he was just so blown away at how many stories, the same, I mean, it's, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. You know, they don't all result in death, but some of them do. And, and so I did partner with them. That was cool. I've actually signed up to do it again this year. I, you know, I hope I get paired with another um, medical student and he actually has some involvement in the rare disease program up there and had asked if I would maybe want to come speak. So I do hope that that comes to fruition because, you know, if I get a platform, <laughs> I'm going to use it. Um, and then the other one was global, global liver Institute. And what I did with them was approach state leadership on basically asking for backing on bills that pertain to rare liver disease. And so that was a really cool experience as well. You know, I'm just going to keep plugging away at it. I've done a lot this last year and, and I feel like I'm moving along at a snail's pace, but then sometimes I look back and I go, okay, you did everything you set out to do and maybe a little bit more. So, you know, give yourself a break. <laughs> Plus you're yeah. tired all the time. <laughs> Well, and I think if you go back to the uh, the little girl that got the uh, service dog, uh, you know that that's one that's helping 
one person. We often hear, if, you know, if I can help one person, I'm, I'm doing my job. And I'm sure that that has made such a huge difference in, in her life and her family's life. And you know what? Probably the dog's life too. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, getting back to your nephew, I think you said that uh, your clothing line, you have a clothing line. One of your clothing lines is you've you've uh, paid tribute to to him. Is that correct? That's correct. So last year when I had this idea of this clothing line, I hadn't really given any thought to naming the the brand or the clothing and that kind of thing. But uh, my nephew was just larger than life, just kind of shy and reserved, but um, brilliant. He was, like I said, a violinist, loved growing succulents loved the beach there's just so much he loved about life and very little that he that he hated i mean i don't i don't know that i really heard him say negative things at all hardly ever and uh because he loved the beach so much um and because his name is tyler davis <laughs> it's important to put a name to these people that you know are mm-hmm. being ignored and whatnot um but i i named it the davis collection and I have right now two styles. And so I have the La Jolla Jogger and the Delmar Palazzo. So Delmar, he, he lived in San Diego. Delmar was a beach he really liked. And La Jolla is a, a beach he loved. He went to La Jolla all the time. And so that's what I chose to, to name the first styles that I got in my collection, the Davis collection. All right. And again, if people uh, want to check these out, they can go to your website, right? Give us the Correct. give us the title of that man, one more time. <laughs> Chronicfreeclothing.com. Okay. Uh and again, we I guess we want to say that we're not trying to slam the medical industry uh, in any way, but uh you you do certainly want to bring awareness to to this issue, to to rare diseases and to um you know advocating for yourself as a as a patient uh that's very important it sounds like yeah and the best physician i feel like i've ever had is in great falls <laughs> and all he had to do was lean in and say how can i help you well karina i thank you very much for uh for taking time to to talk about some very difficult personal issues uh, and also some very important issues that i think people need to be need to be aware of and some exciting things too with your clothing collection and your advocacy and the things that are going on even halfway across the, I guess all the way across the country in this this case when you look at Montana to Maryland so that's right yeah I'm just gonna keep plugging away at it all right well thank you very much and uh, I appreciate the time thanks Tim you've been listening to an interview with Montana native and former Great Falls resident Karina Delin. You can learn more about her clothing line and her advocacy for rare diseases by going to chronicandfreeclothing.com. I encourage you to subscribe to McGonigal's Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and rate the program. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. I'll be back soon with another interesting guest with a Montana connection. For McGonigal's Chronicles, making Montana connections, I'm Tim McGonigal.